When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, you're listening to the BBC Good Food Christmas podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food podcast with Tom Kerridge. I'm Orlando Murren and I'm your host for today and we are talking about Christmas leftovers. All those lovely turkey sandwiches and turkey soup and turkey curry. You keen on leftovers, Tom? Love leftovers, if there is any. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, and unless you've bought a, like a daft amount of stuff, there shouldn't be too much, should there, really? I mean, if you... I, I, it, it does worry me a little bit because quite often at Christmas, we, every year we do it and we say, oh God, there was so much food. Was so much. If we just, The shops are only shut for a day. Do, <laughs> do you know what I mean? If you really do run out of something, it is open on Boxing Day. It is open the next day. So we can't, I think it, it stems back from, you know, from our age going back as kids and then growing up that shops would be shut for a much longer period of time that people would buy loads of stuff to get them through to being reopened. But now essentially Christmas Day, is a lot of people around your house. It's a big roast dinner. Make sure you've got plenty of pudding and loads of crisps. And after that, just in case, like everything else is open. So there shouldn't be too much in the way of leftovers. But you need to make sure that there's enough for Boxing Day. Because for me, Boxing Day, I actually prefer, I think, to Christmas Day. I love the cold meats. I love pickles. I love bubble and squeak. All of that sort of stuff. I mean, I just, for me, it's just the best day. Particularly because... You've had a day indoors for Christmas. So Boxing Day, we normally spend it as being a day outdoors. You go on big dog walk, going to a local football match or a rugby match or going to go and see something, wrapping up warm, spending some time outside, then getting back inside for, for some pickles, some cold meats and, and bubble and squeak. And it is just the best day. I love it. I think part of the problem of people ending up with too much food is that they haven't actually sat down and worked done some sums beforehand no um and i think in these days when we're really trying to avoid waste you, you know 10 minutes with a calculator or even a, a piece of paper to work out how much turkey you need per head plus a generous allowance for leftovers is time well spent isn't it yeah i mean let's be honest i mean we all eat it anyway it, it does get used up doesn't it that's the thing i just you know it, but and it's great i mean i do love the cold meats i think that, which is why i've got to be honest Every year we do turkey because for me turkey is the best cold meat to have. Like you could have you you, you could have your goose, you could have your roast pork, you could have your big full rib of beef. But actually, Christmas Christmas dinner for me turkey because it's brilliant cold. So, what's your ideal turkey sandwich? What 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 bread have we got there? What relishes have we got there? So, how, how do we do it? I, I mean, slightly uh, a, a, a big beautiful kind of like a soft bloomery style loaf is lovely they're the best ones because uh, not a sourdough because sourdoughs are quite if they're not toasted they're quite um firm 
and I don't want it to be too chewy. Yeah. Okay, so you want a nice kind And you're of, not looking for crust there. You no, know, I you're want looking for softness. Exactly, you want it softness. Yeah. And I would do like a turkey club sandwich. You'd do it with bacon, you'd do it in mayonnaise. You could even stick a fried egg in there if you wanted. It's absolutely wow. delicious. Well, yeah. and then dark meat or white meat or wouldn't... Or don't you make a great distinction between white them? meat in the sandwich always but the dark meat would work really nicely if you flake it all up and then mix it with mayonnaise so it kind of it almost use it as a spread not a spread but it's ready mix a bit like coronation you can make coronation chicken but coronation turkey would work really nicely with the white meat i think in olden days there used to be a big distinction people would say oh i like the white meat or i like the dark meat but probably in those days people were overcooking their turkeys whereas now we try not to overcook them we're a bit kinder to them perhaps we are and quite often people have now realized that if you cook them separately you know the crowns and the legs you can do something different with them their legs you can slow braise them and flake the meat or you can you know they do take that little bit longer cooking and then you can roast the crown separately which means that you can get it perfectly roasted so you've got it's a little bit slightly more cooked on the outside and lovely the closer you get to the bone it still stays nice and juicy and moist rather than it being too dried out and what about the leftover veg you mentioned bubble and squeak and i i would love to make good bubble and squeak and i love the idea of it but i haven't perfected that so tell me how to do that particularly with regard to christmas leftover vegetables so there's two there's two things that i really like to do one of them is it it is chopped up and and you've got to chop it all up in a mixing bowl first and spend that's a bit of time that you've got to spend doing because you, you, you can't just throw in a potato and a whole sprout. You've got to chop them all about the same sort of size and then mix it together, beat it together so it kind of like starts beginning to break down and the starch is mixed all whilst it's cold. Season it up then. That's when you do it. Plenty, and then, plenty of seasoning. Plenty of seasoning. Yeah. Plenty of seasoning. And then you've got to fry it and you've got to fry it really quite crispy and I lo- the thing about I love about bubble and squeak is as you're getting out I love the naughty little dark black bits you get little burnt bits of flavour and they're lush that bitterness that you get from like the caramelised roastedness of like carrots when they then go a little bit more burnt the same as the roast potatoes and as you mix that through it gets hot and it gets crispy so do you and put that- all the vegetables in all the vegetables in chop them all up fry them in a pan but it is about not just warming them up it's about crisping them up Get to, like there is nothing wrong with little bits of burnt on them because what that does is it cuts through the kind of stodgy richness of it, the bitterness that you get from frying something to get that kind of charred flavour on it. Really does lift everything and make it come to life. It's fantastic, and that hot served with cold meat, ham and turkey and pickles is just perfect. Or the other way of doing it is. Chop your vegetables all up the same sort of size. Then you can chop up some of your turkey, exactly the same sort of size, mix it together, but don't overwork it here. Put in maybe a little bit of the gravy to soften it all together and then wrap that in pastry and make pasties and make these beautiful like Christmas leftover pasties and they work brilliantly. It's a great way of doing it. What a lovely idea. With the bubble and squeak, because you can tell I'm now obsessed with bubble and squeak, I'm going to go straight away and do this. Yeah. Um, Is that in oil? Would you fry that or in butter? Yeah, no, in oil because the butter will burn really quite quickly. So you want to do it in oil so it crisps up nicely. And is it like one 
big bubble and squeak or baby bubble and squeaks? Is it like the spoonful or the whole pan? The whole pan, Steve. Now, I don't do it where you put it into like little um, burgers or patties. I'll do it where you're just in a big frying pan and you're roasting it and you're constantly stirring and you're just getting colour and flavour into it. As if you were doing like a ragu, but you're crisping it up and frying it and frying it. And there's not an egg in there. No egg in there, no nothing. You're just frying up the veggies. Mm, Well, that's you've solved my problem. I I, I really can't wait. Now, um, we have this lovely Facebook group called BBC Good Food Together and we asked them if they had any questions. So Jill Naylor asked us, please, can you help with with the leftover Christmas pudding? What do I do with this leftover Christmas pudding? Um, What would you do with yours? I mean, it's so precious, Christmas pudding, isn't it? When you think of the care and love and ingredients that have gone into it, the cooking and the caring for it. So there's uh, there's a number of things. There's a couple of things you can do. One, you break it all up and then get yourself a um, a jar of uh, a tub of ready-made thick luxury custard that you, you, you buy from most supermarkets. Mix it together, fold it all together, put it into a tub and freeze it. And you'll end up with Christmas pudding ice cream. It's a really easy and nice way of Gosh, doing it. Gosh, that's easy, really isn't well. it? Really easy. And the other way is you can use, you can do exactly the same thing. You can beat the Christmas pudding until it's soft and all blended together with a little bit of ice cream. Um, Sorry, with a little bit of the custard. So it's kind of like a smooth puree. And then to that, fold in whipped up egg whites with sugar, a little bit like a souffle. And then you can bake it so it does come up like a Christmas pudding souffle. Serve it straight away. So uh, you've just got to whisk up the egg whites and the sugar. And then you beat together the Christmas pudding and a little bit of the, the custard just to soften it together. Fold the two, bake it. Okay, serve it straight away beautiful um, and the other thing to do with it which it's beautiful fried with bacon and black pudding and fried egg and like it's great served as an accompaniment to full english breakfast because essentially if you think of what christmas pudding is it's pretty much it's like solid brown sauce if you think of the flavors that go into brown <laughs> sauce the only thing that's missing is the vinegar is the acidity so if it's fried it's just delicious leftover christmas pudding fried served with salty bacon is incredible and say you'd had enough of it on Boxing Day with the Christmas pudding specifically, because it's, it's something that keeps beautifully. You could keep that in the fridge and have that on New Year's Day breakfast, couldn't you? Exactly. To have yeah. a bit of a break from it, because it, it's a little bit relentless to have it straight after the day, isn't it? To have a bit of a gap. Yeah, it will keep. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing I was thinking for people with leftovers is before Christmas to have a bit of a freezer stock taken clear out. So you've got some room in there if you've got things that you can't eat over the time so that's the that's the orlando tip yes. for the day and it's not a bad one that actually that's a fair <laughs> that's a good fair tip now leftover stuffing uh, quite often get one gets a bit carried away with the stuffing we have maybe two or three different types of stuffing and so you end up with this rather lovely stuff but wondering what to do with it what would you do with that? So that that goes really, really well. Again, pan fried served with a full English breakfast. Those are the sort of things you could do. It goes really nicely in a sandwich as well. The sort of thing, cold turkey, the stuffing. Slice it thinly or crumble slice it? Slice it thinly. Oh, and slice it thinly for that. But crumble, do you know the, way, the thing that goes really nicely? You can do it as a, as a pasta dish. So if you crumble it, mix it with a little bit of single cream, a little bit of creme fraiche maybe, and then you boil your pasta. And then once your pasta's done, put it back into the bowl with a little bit of the remaining bit of the pasta water you know like you would do like any other ragu sauce or what so you just got that lovely kind of salty starchy water and then crumble in the stuffing and fold it all together and you end up with this lovely kind of rich thick pick some chop some sage leaves and throw that in and all of a sudden you've got this really kind of carb heavy but a- 
absolutely enriched, beautiful pasta dish that comes to life with a little bit of freshness from the sage leaves. Sounds wonderful. In the restaurant, once you've had Christmas, do you kind of turn your back on it and do all new stuff? Or do you nostalgia a bit and you, and have some kind of leftover type dishes no, in the, on in your the, menus? No, in the pubs and the restaurants, we move on. We're into January now. We're cracking on. Christmas is yeah. done. Yeah, people have done so, it. Yeah, yeah we, we're moving on forward, getting through the rest of winter, looking forward to spring. It's a kind of home thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's the peak of winter for me. That's it. You go into Christmas. That's it. That's where it's at. Now we're looking. Let's get out the other side. Can't wait for asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> While we're in nostalgic mood, which is after all what leftovers are about, what have been the highlights for you of the last year? Um, things that you've particularly enjoyed or have inspired you or lit you up? Yeah, I, do you know what? We, we've all spent a little bit more time at home. Um, that's one thing. And a little bit more community-based and a little bit more um, realising the most important things, particularly over the last couple of years. But so much of it has been food-led. Obviously, my whole life is food-led. But spending time at home, doing a bit more cooking with the family has been one of those um, special moments and special times, particularly when you're there. But also the energy and the enthusiasm of, of the general public wanting to get out back into restaurants and, and pubs and spaces when they when we've been able to so you know there's been there's most definitely been an energy and you can definitely tell that as a nation we're people that love social interaction we love being with each other we love hanging out we love the energy that we all give when we're in a room like when you go out for dinner you spend christmas celebrations you go out now and you you, you go for drinks after work or you go for a, a dinner or whatever when you go into a busy um, bar or pub and, and then go on to a restaurant you don't know anybody in that space, but you all have this kind of underwritten rule. You, you you're all there. You're all you all kind of have this uh, kind of contract of enjoyment that you're there to all have a lovely time. And everybody's collective enjoyment really does showcase through that you all have an amazing time because uh, that energy level is something that sparks together. And I think that was the biggest thing that we've missed over the last eighteen months, couple of years. The thing that you can understand and see that we are social animals and that interaction. And it's been wonderful to be a part of. Um, I suppose being in an industry that's at the forefront of getting that back to people's uh, uh being part of people's lives whether it's whether it's business meetings or going for coffees or whether it's living for the weekend and celebrating birthdays and anniversaries you know it's it's such a wonderful thing to be in an industry that helps people um get out there enjoy themselves connect and and, and make the most of life and so that feeling the other side of the kitchen window wherever that travels back to the chef's I mean, the front of house, obviously, dealing with the, the customers. But their excitement travels to the kitchen. Do, do you feel that buzz in the kitchen 100%. when you've got a room full of people having there's, a wonderful time? Absolutely. There's always an energy. How, and, and how, it's does almost... that, how does that travel between the two? Is it is it conveyed by you go and look at them enjoying themselves or you can tell from what they're ordering? Or you can tell because you're full? Or... It's a sense you can it's tell. In the, it's in the yeah, air. It's in the air. Well, you can tell when it's Christmas time. You know, when we walk up and down the streets in December, you know, there's a newfound energy. There's a, there's, there's it's, it's all invocative of sensual things that whether it's smells, whether it's noises, whether it's energy, all of those, they create, they bec become buzzes. They are, they're all, you know, they're all something that uh, um, you recognize it's a time of year and it's a period where everyone's enjoying themselves. 
and that's really important. And it is, it is a, a you know, being in hospitality is a central business. You are, you are, it's touch, feel, it's noise, it's it's everything that um, is exciting about all of it. And and guests being there and having a great time adds to that. And you can just you can feel it. There's an all round wonderful feeling. And looking ahead to next year, um, what particularly excites you about the thought of next year? I think more and more getting back to normality. The more and more things like food festivals being um, leading the way and coming back. I think the opportunity for people to to feel that they're in a much better and safer environment. The fact that more and more people have uh, are vaccinated and feel that they're more confident of going out. The fact that more and more people feel that there's just a, a much bigger energy to to um, restaurants, to pubs, to to getting the industry back to where it should be, the connection to food is all really important. I mean, I think there's, you know, there, there, there's a huge um, uh, appetite for people to be doing things, being a part of something, going on holidays, all of those sort of things that, and you know, all of those sort of things that moving forward. And we saw over the last year, the last summer, that you know, it's a real celebration of British. Um, British staycations, but all of those locations that have great restaurants and pubs and bars and and farmers and artisan foods and you know there's a real celebration and, and and we're very very good in this country of finding out and eking out those small places that are representative of, of local areas and I think that that vibe and that feeling coming through next year is even more so. So whether it's staying here or going traveling, I think you know it's always normally related to warmth and and food and people and connection and things that you can do and act activity so yeah a, a real a real good little buzz going on well i mean you're making it sound very exciting and something to look forward to so you've put a big smile on my face thank you tom um just to go carry on with our our, our concerns from our listeners um they're now worried about stilton what to do with stilton <laughs> I know that's a fairly minor problem compared with some of the things we've been up against recently, but um, cheese, there's there's a lot of interest out there with cheese at the moment. And I think, well, we're going to talk about cheese cheese board in a moment, but Stilton, uh, you, you do end up with quite a lot of it. And what do you do with it? Yeah, Stilton is one of those blue cheeses that it's because it's the one that everybody knows. It's probably the most famous one, but it has a very distinct blue cheese favour. Like if you've got a selection of blue cheeses in front of you and you eat it, you will know which one is Stilton and sometimes it's quite powerful it's quite dark it's quite bitter it's quite it's very strong there's no it's not it's not soft and subtle so if you're a blue cheese fan and a Stilton fan Stilton is amazing but if you're just if you're venturing into blue cheeses and it's a new kind of way to go it's not the softest it's not the creamiest it's quite intense it's like you know it's like passing your driving test and then being given a racing car do you know what I mean yeah. it's like you want to go a little bit gentle into the blue cheeses so I can see why some people are like a little bit worried about what to do with Stilton will people like it and if they don't they put it on a cheese board because they buy it and then they've got loads left what to do with it but again Stilton works really nicely it makes great omelettes it's the sort of thing that you could make a brilliant kind of like Spanish tortilla omelette but this is made with Stilton cheese that you can chill and then you can take slices of it to work it gives it length on it um, but also it works really nicely that you can make twice baked souffles with it there's something lovely to do you blend it into soups make a lovely kind of potato or celeriac style soup throw in Stilton at the end of when you blend it together all of those sort of things are a really nice way of, of using cheese, not just Stilton, but blue cheeses up. I, I think maybe one thing is not to buy too much of it if you're not sure you're going to eat it. But you mentioned turkey soup there, turkey soup. 
Is that a favourite of yours? No. I mean, I mean, I think there's lots of great things to do with turkeys and, and turkey leftover, but a soup soup would be way down on the list for me. Soup would be way down <laughs> So you on won't be list. boiling up the carcass? No, 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 no. I, no, I won't be boiling up the carcass. I know there's loads of people that make stocks of sauces at home, but for me, it's normally it's normally gone. It's a big thing to be making. And then, like, it's a lot of it's a lot of faff if we've got busy lives and do whatever. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a bone boiler at home. <laughs> yeah, and when you're quite tired of cooking i think after christmas you don't really want to be doing those routine type operations leftover gravy i mean some people adore gravy and they'll probably eat all the gravy that you put in front of them but if you end up with some lovely turkey gravy and these things do taste of turkey there it's not quite the same as chicken gravy or chicken stock mm. would you you mentioned i think you could put it in a sandwich or Tur turkey gravy yeah mixed with stuff is, is great to soften it and loosen it but it has that wonderful poultry flavor the great thing about turkey is it is like it's like chicken on steroids in terms of flavor it is really deep rich beautiful when it comes to making a gravy if you've done it properly but you can freeze it so you could freeze it in an ice cube trays and in and those little they, they would be you could throw them into casseroles and stews or whatever else is going on throughout the rest of the year defrost it just drop it in right at the last minute stir it in and it would just help intensify flavor so yeah i wouldn't have anything wrong with any leftover turkey gravy being frozen into ice cube stocks and then throwing it into even when you're just doing something very very simple like uh, wilting down cabbage or something just stir that in at the end you know those are, it, it just really does give a beautiful kind of like savory salty poultry edge to everything that you make it's got a kind of richness to it hasn't it turkey it's a velvet richness i don't know it must be something in the in the turkey there's meant to be something in the turkey that makes you go to sleep isn't there i think i've it's got a never heard Have that you <laughs> you're making there's that a, up i think it's well i can't say that's, the that's eating too much of it makes it's, you go to sleep mate i think it's called it's called tripped um food has arrived leftovers have arrived we have got a Tom Carriage exclusive recipe here: one pan pigs in blanket beans. Parsons a fork. Oh, there we go. So this is the bit where you famous chomping sounds as we eat the beans. So these are um, cocktail sausages that we've wrapped in pancetta, and then we've given them a lure with some beans and some lovely things. I think that um, pigs in blankets are such a great invention, or they call them kilted soldiers don't they in scotland have you heard that i'm sure we have scottish listeners who would tell me that they're called kilted soldiers in scotland i mean let's be honest i mean if you love bacon and you love sausages there is nothing better than wrapping a sausage in bacon is it i yeah, mean what, it's just delicious and what's not to like with this we haven't quite wrapped these what we've done is diced up pancetta and fried it and the flavor that you get from pancetta is amazing that wonderful rich kind of like bacon fat that goes into the pan and then the little chipolatas and then it's beans that have gone in tins of beans and it is tomatoes tin tomatoes vinegar mm. and sugar and it's cooked out and it's kind of like posh baked beans like mm. it's essentially posh baked and it feels quite campfire-ish doesn't it it's just delicious it's um it's got a, a lovely kind of sweet flavor and i'd like to ask you tom about how you go about flavoring a dish say one of your chefs comes up to you with something like this and you you think oh that's a nice idea i'd like to put that on the menu how would you go about brightening up the flavors what what kind of order would you go in would you in terms of salt sugar um other flavorings how how do you go about um adjusting and improving a dish and giving it the tom carriage kind of flavor appeal it's all about balance and it's all about finding those foundations of flavor and you look for 
for example, this dish, the frying the pancetta first, you get that wonderful, rich, fatty kind of bacon flavor that comes through. And that's that foundation, that layer, the saltiness that comes into it. And then you need to look for acidity. Now, acidity is one of the biggest things you always look for in any dish. It always needs to have this kind of um, something that lifts it, that makes it come to life, something that gives it an edge. And if you think we always do that, we do that in cooking naturally, whether you put tomato sauce on something, whether you put malt vinegar on fish and chips, whether you put brown sauce in a sandwich, that, that that's a balance of acidity and, and, and sugar that, that you're looking for when you, when you eat something. It's just standard kind of um, behavior, whether it's grating orange zest on something, squeezing a lemon juice into a pan, you're lifting something, making it come alive. So you always look for something that's deep rooted and rich and solid. So the beans in this dish, for example, is the, is the main filler, is the starch, is the carbohydrate, is the is is the body of it. And everything else that you're adding to it is the things that bring it, make it come alive. But you're always looking for sweet um, kind of acidity. You're looking for the salt and you're looking for that kind of richness and body there. And if you can balance that to all of those kind of ingredients together, that, that, that it, it becomes a, a, a very robust, and punchy dish and that's what we look for all the way whether it's a starter main course or dessert you're always looking for for, for complete roundness of flavors so do you kind of tick them off in your mind or do you are you at the stage where you just you you can taste it and you can say oh this needs more sugar this needs more vinegar by the way this has quite a quite an interesting amount of sugar and vinegar in it so it's doing exactly what you said but that's more than i would dare put in as as a normal cook so we've got 150 mils of red wine vinegar and 75 grams of, of sugar so that's that's a punch and that's why it tastes Massive, yeah. so exciting compared with what if, if i did it that's exactly it it's, it's it's trying to make things exciting and when things are big flavorful and intensified like that it actually you don't eat as much of it you don't need as much of it because it is about big flavor and those flavor overloads it kind of excites the brain it's exhausting it makes you go cool that's incredible but you you know when you get big strong punchy flavors that's exactly what you want and we, we do this that's the same with every dish that we try to put together and do your chefs have they learned how much salt you like in things yeah way too much i mean i, mean, I have to be honest we're, we're naughty with the salt and, and I, I love i love that savory kick i love i love what it brings and, and and we don't obviously we don't eat like that all the time you know it is when you come to restaurants and it's top end stuff and it's about drawing flavor and it might not be through salt but that salt it might be through grated parmesan it might be through soy sauce it might be through just something that draws that kind of flavor out and seasoning is so so important to cooking and pepper uh, obviously peppers in everything but do you use pepper at the same large rate that you use salt we use pepper slightly differently so um pepper um we don't really use it as a scene we use it as a spice so cracked black pepper i'll use quite a lot because it has texture and it's punch of flavor so it's um normally something that we add at the end to to give a punch and a, a, a pungency to something. So yeah, pepper we use as a so, spice. So you sprinkle sprinkle the the cracked pepper on or stir it in a, at the end. Exactly. And so you can yeah. see it and and taste it. And you get those little bits when that pop when you eat them. That's, that's what you're exactly aiming for. It. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah. What sort of salt do you use, or do you use lots of different sorts of salt? Lots of different salts for different things. So you're going, you're going to break to us. You're going to share with us what what different sorts? No, no well, we <laughs> use of... standard table salt for a lot of our seasoning, whether it's into boiling waters into stocks or sauces because it dissolves very easily very quickly the powdered kind exactly yeah. so that works very very well and then when it comes to finishing when you finish and serve dishes we'll always use like big flaky sea salt that normally comes from essex 
and that's uh, and that's kind of crunchy the crunchy stuff on top that's it uh, d- uh, flavored salts are you into those not really no because i don't think they actually taste of anything like they don't taste of that flavor if you uh, you want the salt to be drawing the flavor of the thing that you've put it on if you want to add flavoring like smoked salt i don't really get i don't I, it's not doesn't even taste that smoky so uh, for me it's always about um the salt is to draw the flavor of the thing that it goes on to I've just got to disagree with you about one aspect of smoked salt, which is someone gave me a tub of smoked salt from the West Country, shall we say, and my cat goes crazy for it. (laughs) He he absolutely loves it. He rubs his... Oh, well, in other words, I've donated the smoked salt to the cat, but he's not allowed to eat too much of it because... (laughs) Not yeah. a, not all at once. Now I'm going to what an a, endorsement. <laughs> I'm going to set you a little challenge at the end. I've got a a pile of turkey here, and I've got some pasta. And can you help me make that? In I haven't literally got that. In case anyone's wondering why there's no noise of of turkey being rustled near the microphone, I'm imagining this. How would you make that into supper uh, for for Beth and AC and you? Uh, there's two ways. You, you you can have anything else in your fridge as well if you want to. Uh, there's there's two ways of doing it. I think you could do a really nice, rich, creamy kind of... Turkey works very well with creamy sauces, so you could make a kind of like a turkey lasagna, but without it being the tomato-based one. You could use the lasagna sheets and you make a kind of a white, cheesy roux sauce and then fold the turkey through it, maybe with some chopped ham and some mushrooms, and then layer that like a lasagna and bake it, which would work really, really nicely. Or if you wanted to do it a little bit quicker, something a bit quicker, then you could dice the turkey up and fry it have the pasta cooked, and but then that turkey you would turn into like a carbonara. So you could do it with egg yolks and enrich it and envelop it that and then fold it through with the pasta dish. So very, 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 very simple. So either way, it would work really nice. If you've got a bit more time, like bake like a lasagna with a rich kind of Mornay cheese sauce or done like a, a carbonara where you just kind of like fold it through with some egg yolks, but gently cook it out. Don't 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 like boil it so the egg yolks curdle. Yeah, and the, the other thing is with leftover turkey, if you if you recook it too much it kind of flakes it does that kind of shreddy thing doesn't it exactly so that, you want yeah. to be quite gentle with it yeah you, you do uh, yeah. and probably to return to my famous dark meat and white meat the dark meat seems to be less shreddy than the white meat so yeah maybe... it has a different muscle structure you know the, that... le- the legs are, the legs are working they're walking all day long whilst the breasts are just growing oh that's Thank you for explaining that to me from an um, animal sense. <laughs> now, I think the time has come to pull a cracker. Can we pull a cracker? And this is the, this is the one where I end up with all the jokes and hats and Tom ends up with nothing. So yeah, can, let's can see you what try a bit harder it. now? No, lost again. <laughs> yeah, and I have to donate it to him. Me? I'll tell you what, I'll turn it round this time because I think they might... No, this is, lost again. This... <laughs> This is uncanny. Have we got anything in, in there? I've, I've, got got, another... I've got a really... <laughs> Which dog always wins the race? Which dog or does always win the race? The one with the comfortable lead. Oh. <laughs> I've also got a sticker that says, number one Sprout hater. Well, that's a lie. I lo- <laughs> I'm Sprout lover. Number one Sprout lover. Um, I've got a sticker as well. And it says "Official Mince Pie Taste Tester," so I rather like that. I'll was... swap. I'll swap. <laughs> I've also got a very jolly green hat, so I'll put that on. And with that, I wish all our listeners um, a great success with their leftovers. May you enjoy every last sprout, every last molecule of Stilton, and every crumble of pudding. So, 
happy Christmas and enjoy yourselves from Tom and me. Thanks for listening. And if you like today's Christmas recipe, tune in to Tom's bonus cook-along episode tomorrow. And that was the BBC Good Food Christmas podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.